Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. Join me every week on the Unforgettable Luncheon as we discuss topics in the nerd world like gaming, comics, cartoons, and whatever else may cross my mind. You can find me on the socials as SteamedHams81 on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find me as the Unforgettable Luncheon on Facebook. And check out Steamed Hams Merchatorium, the link to which will be in the description of this podcast. The Unforgettable Luncheon, nerd comedy at its okayest. You ever sit and play a video game and think it would be awesome if you could see more adventures from the characters on a weekly basis? You thought to yourself, this would make a cool show. Well, once again, someone was listening. But somehow, it got better than turning a show into a game. This is Steamed Hams telling you, don't touch that dial. As we discuss TV shows based on video games, today on the Unforgettable Luncheon. Hi, it's your old pal Steamed Hams. I hope you're ready for another unforgettable luncheon. Back in the day, we took in our entertainment in many forms. TV, movies, comics, toys. The perfect franchise was one that covered all forms. We wanted our imagination stimulated. If there was a show that we liked, we wanted more. We wanted toys, books, games, all featuring characters and settings of that show. But less often... You had a game that you really enjoyed, but had nothing to continue that story. Just the same adventure over and over again. But thankfully, there were people out there who decided to make shows out of our beloved games. And for the most part, they did a great job. We're going to talk about a few of the shows that were made out of video games today. Spoiler alert, I am not going to be discussing The Last of Us, as I don't have HBO and therefore can't watch it. So how can I talk about it? Honestly, I haven't even played the game. I'm not a PlayStation guy. So there. (laughs) Anyways, let's start way back in the good old 1980s. Arcade games ruled the roost. Home consoles like the Atari 2600 and the Intellivision were starting to come onto their own. Video games were going strong until 1983. It's only natural that they make cartoons out of some of the most popular games. That's where we got Saturday Supercade. Saturday Supercade was a show that featured shorts based on many popular arcade and home games of the time. It ran from September 1983 and December, until December 1984 for two seasons on CBS. The show's shorts would consist of four cartoons each week. You had Frogger, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and the fourth would be a rotation each week between Qbert and Pitfall. The second season had Donkey Kong Jr., Frogger, and Pitfall replaced by cartoons based on the games Kangaroo and Space Ace. The cartoons were more or less loosely based on the games. I did check out an episode or two on YouTube since, well, I was too young to remember the show when it first aired. Frogger centered around a frog named Frogger, who was a reporter for the Swamp Gazette. He would chase stories with the help of his friends Shellshock, Shelly Turtle, and Fanny Frog. A lot of these stories had to do with human behavior. He also dealt with his uh, boss, Tex Toadwalker. So, you know, because you got to have that editor-in-chief who's gruff and mean and 
you know, I want pictures of Spider-Man. I don't know why he wanted pictures of Spider-Man, but you never know. Much like the game, Frogger would have a close encounter with a gator, you know, try to be crossing streets and whatnot and get flattened by a passing car. But unlike the game, he didn't die when this happened. He just got reinflated with a pump by Shelly because you can't be killing cartoon characters. Not in the 80s. Can't have a long series with a dead frog, you know? Although that would make a very morbid series. Let's, let's not lie. Now, Donkey Kong was the weekly adventures of Donkey Kong, who would escape the circus each week, only to be pursued and eventually caught, or ended up being released, by Mario and Pauline, the girlfriend who was kidnapped by Kong in the games. The general plot of each episode was pretty much the same. Donkey Kong escapes the circus, Mario and Pauline go on the hunt, Donkey Kong meets criminals who trick him into doing crimes, Mario and Pauline expose the bad guys for what they are, and then they work together with Donkey Kong to defeat the villains, and then just as they're catching Donkey Kong, he rides off into the sunset again. Lather, rinse, and repeat for every episode. I mean, this this is one of the ones that did last both seasons of the show, but it was well done, and it was entertaining, so you can see why. Now, Donkey Kong Jr. centered around Donkey Kong's son, who was kind of upset that his father left the circus and goes on a quest to find him and be reunited. He's joined on this quest by a greaser named Bones, who owns a motorcycle and offers to help Donkey Kong Jr. find his dad. Um... He was kind of DK Jr.'s voice of reason when he would get in the jams. And DK Jr. even had his own little catchphrase, Monkey Muscle! You know, it's kind of like a call to action. I don't know if it made him stronger or what, but, I mean, he was a monkey, so. Um, there wasn't much to this one. It didn't really survive to the second season, so. Now, Qbert, <clears throat> that was a fun one. Qbert took place in like a 50s inspired town called Qberg and followed Qbert, his girlfriend QT, and their friends as they took on the local bullies and, well, game villains, Coily, Ugg, and Wrongway. Much like the game, you had block hopping scenes. If you've ever played Qbert, it's a big pyramid of blocks and you have to jump the blocks to change them colors while avoiding the bad guys. Um, yeah, the censored swear bubbles, you know, whenever Hubert would get hit in the game and the little symbols would show up with him going of some sort, which is basically just him swearing and flying discs that got Hubert generally out of trouble or back to the top of the pyramid in the games. The show did become weekly for the second season after spending the first season rotating each week with Pitfall. Now on to Pitfall, Pitfall. Pitfall was one of my favorite games on the Atari. You played Pitfall Harry, who was in the jungle on the hunt for treasure. In the show, Harry is joined by his niece Rhonda and their cowardly mountain lion pet Quick Claw. Plots were pretty standard, new adventures every week as they hunted for treasure and encounter a problem that they would eventually solve. Uh, this one didn't make it past the first season, although Rhonda and Quick Claw did eventually appear in Pitfall 2 The Lost Caverns, for consoles and arcade. Now, this show, from what I've seen on YouTube, was pretty fun. I might have enjoyed it had I been a bit older. 
Um, but unfortunately, I was not. I was only about three when the show ended. So let's move on. Now we're heading into some fun. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show. The show ran from September to December 1989 in syndication and featured live-action segments along with an animated segment. The live-action segments featured WWF legend Captain Lou Albano. Yes, I said WWF because that just shows my age. And uh, he played Mario along with actor Danny Wells playing Luigi as they dealt with the issues of running a Brooklyn plumbing business in the late 80s. Now, this was a parody of the sitcoms of the 80s, so it had the same tropes of, you know, problem shows up, sometimes celebrity guest star shows up, and somehow problem gets fixed by the end, and we're back to the status quo. But each week, a celebrity, sometimes the term was used loosely, would show up either as themselves or as a character of some sort. Some celebrities were ones that we all knew, you know, they were well known, um, and still are. A few were, you know, flash in the pan 80s celebrities. A few of them were up and coming at the time, like Patrick Dempsey showed up in an episode. Um, he was very up and coming. Now, of course, we know him from things like, uh, Grey's Anatomy and Grey's Anatomy. And it was funny because the celebrity would show up and the brothers would be like, hey, it's so-and-so. And eight-year-old me would be like, who? I don't know that person. You know, Monday through Thursday, the show would feature a cartoon centered around the Mario Brothers and their adventures in the Mushroom Kingdom with Toad and Princess Toadstool. Yes, Peach was known as Princess Toadstool in the 80s and the 90s. It was the style at the time. The cartoon was based around Super Mario Brothers 1 and 2, they battled Bowser, but of course he, well, he was known as King Koopa in that, and he had a lot of the villains from, like, the little minor characters from Super Mario Brothers 1 and 2. So he had the Goombas, he had the Koopa Troopas, he had the Shy Guys and everything from Mario 2. He even had Birdo from Mario 2. Uh, the cartoon did later have separate sequel series that came out based on Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World, that would air on NBC and later syndication. Every cartoon in Super Mario Brothers Super Show would parody a different genre or movie and had a scene that would be scored with licensed music that, of course, got removed from the DVD releases because, screw you guys, we want the good music. There was no continuity to the show. I mean, it was an 80s cartoon. What did you want? You know... Every Friday, the cartoon would be switched out with one for The Legend of Zelda, clips of which were showing shown during the week towards the end of each episode. And if you put all the clips together, you basically got the entire freaking episode. Okay? It shows the story of Link, who is battling Ganon in Hyrule, who for some reason possesses the Triforce of Power, but, I mean, we all knew that from the first game. And... Ganon is trying to get the Triforce of Wisdom, so Link teams up with Princess Zelda to battle him. Uh, Link, though a competent fighter, was kind of shown as a socially stupid uh, buffoon who his main, his main goal was to prove that he's awesome and to score a kiss from Princess Zelda. Princess Zelda seemed like she was more of an adult, like in her 20s. Link was probably about 
16, 17. So I don't think that would fly these days, but she just about always rebuffed him because, well, she was not interested. And usually when she called him out on bullshit, he would simply go, well, excuse me, princess. Like he's freaking Ralph Cramden or something. Now, the cool thing was Link had that little cool little like laser or whatever that would come from his sword when you would have full life in a Zelda game. And it would defeat enemies, but instead of killing them, it sent them back to this jar in Ganon's lair where he could redeploy them. Um, it was kind of a good way to get around the no-killing rule cartoons had back then. Because you, you could have all the violence you want, but nobody could die. The show was retooled as Club Mario in 1990, with the same cartoon segments, but now a new live-action segment featuring two knucklehead teens named Tommy Treehugger and Co-MC. Um, it wasn't exactly a very popular format, and got canceled pretty much within a season. I mean, now, I loved the Mario Brothers format. It's awesome. I own the entire series on DVD. The downside is that the live-action segments from the Friday Zelda episodes aren't on there, and those had some of the best bits, including my favorite as a kid was when Ernie Hudson showed up to parody Ghostbusters. Fun fact, I got to meet Ernie Hudson at a 30th anniversary showing of Ghostbusters. So I got to watch Ghostbusters with a Ghostbuster. How awesome is that? Now, if you do want to check out the show, it is available on Prime Video and Tubi for free. So do check it out. Next, we're going to get into a Saturday morning favorite of mine, Captain N, the Game Master. Running from 1989 to 91 on NBC, Saturday mornings, back when we had Saturday morning cartoons. The show followed Kevin Keane and his dog Duke as they were pulled from modern-day Los Angeles through the ultimate warp zone to Videoland, ruled by Princess Lana. No, not that Lana. No. No, you're not going to see Archer in this. This is many years before Archer. Uh, She needs his help to defend Videoland against Mother Brain from Metroid. Now, a little fun fact, Mother Brain was voiced by the same actor who voiced Audrey 2 in Little Shop of Horrors, the musical version with Rick Moranis. You know, rewatching some clips of the show, because you can't find the full show anywhere to stream, I kept waiting for her, her to yell, Feed me, Seymour! Captain N was armed with a Nintendo Zapper and a belt buckle shaped like an NES controller, which she could use to pause the world or do certain tricks. Uh, he's joined by Simon Belmont from Castlevania, Kid Icarus from the game of the same name, although in the game, he was known as Pit. I don't know why they changed it, but then again, I'm guessing kids didn't realize his name was Pit, and just because the game was called Kid Icarus, assumed he was Kid Icarus. So, simplification, I guess. And Mega Man. Um, although Mega Man is not blue in this, he's green, because I think they had to take some manner of artistic license, because maybe Capcom was like, bro, no, you can't use the same character design. I mean, granted, Simon Belmont was not designed after the Castlevania version. He looked more like, you know, uh, an explorer from the 1900s, and looked nothing like the version you see in, like, all the game boxes. Now, 
Simon was shown to be a vain, pompous jackass who, while a skilled fighter, uh, hit and had a seemingly bottomless backpack with a whip that sometimes had a mind of its own. Um, he was mildly insufferable. And he was always hitting on Princess Lana, who, of course, didn't want him. She wanted Kevin. So either she and Kevin were the same age, or she was looking to rob the cradle a little bit. I don't know. They don't exactly spell out how old she is. Uh, Kid Icarus, he's a skilled archer. Uh, he's small in stature. He's the only one that can fly. Um, but his small size does make him less effective in a fight, which his confidence is kind of shot on that. Uh, but one thing he's not short on is courage and loyalty. You know, but that's where he makes up for it. And, of course, he's still useful. He's just not as effective. Uh, Mega Man, of course, is a robot with all the skills that come with being Mega Man. We've discussed Mega Man before. There was not a whole lot of change from the games. So we're not going to go into him too much. They battled Mother Brain along with her idiot minions, King Hippo from Punch-Out!, who... If you couldn't beat King Hippo and Punch-Out, let me know. I will come slap you upside the damn head. An eggplant wizard from Kid Icarus. I mean, they, they were literally, like, dumb and dumber. So, we had that. There were also the villains of the week, and Dr. Wily did join the fun on the bad guy's side to antagonize Mega Man. In Season 2, the heroes were joined by Game Boy a person-sized version of the popular handheld console. Because, yeah, not totally product placement at all. No, they weren't trying to make the Game Boy get out there. I mean, it was already doing good on its own, but why not? Kids are probably like, we want Game Boy! We want Game Boy! And I'm like, I want cartoons! I want cartoons! Where's my burrito? Where's my burrito? Oh, no, wait, that's just me now. <laughs> Both of those are just me now. Where's my cartoons and my burrito? Um, it's currently not available to stream, but it is available on DVD. Uh, this was a fun show that got to incorporate a lot of games that were popular at the time. Uh, basically, it was it was a 30-minute video game ad. So it wasn't a toy commercial, it was a video game ad. I'm sure clips are available on YouTube. If you can find them, check it out. And see how much fun it was. There was even a comic book available published by Valiant Comics. That's a long time ago. Um, I own a couple issues and they were fun. Well, that's it for another unforgettable luncheon. I would like to point out that this is my 20th episode. 20 times have I gotten behind this mic and talked about all the nerd things itching in my brain. It's been a slow start, but it is getting better. We are picking up steam. Steam for the steamed hams. I appreciate all of you that listen each week as I ramble on, and everyone who's reached out to me with your comments and thoughts. I hope to keep going for more episodes. Have a 40th, have a 50th episode, have a 100th episode. And I thank you all for listening. I hope a good time was had by all, and you can find me on all the socials uh, listed in the descriptions. Uh, on Facebook, I am now known as the Unforgettable Luncheon, so do check it out. That's where I will be posting not just stuff about the podcast, but, of course, my own random comedy and clips as they make them. Well, hope a good time was had by all. Join me next week when the topic will be something nerdy. <laughs>